0: Good morning. morning. Go ahead and turn your Bibles to Acts 11, Acts 11. Been talking and teaching on uh, making a difference in the things that we can watch and look at in the first early church, uh, characteristics and things they did that, like the Bible says, allowed them to turn the world upside down. Uh, and, Lord, it's uh, it's interesting. Last, last week we talked about witnessing and, and how I feel like that's the most important and the, the uh, biggest way to make a difference in this world and not just, you know, in church, but, you know, to the outside especially, uh, and, and the way that you're going to be able to uh, make a difference politically, make a difference in any shape or form is by getting people saved uh it's not by changing the way they think it's not by making them think conservative or or uh changing them from uh whatever whatever way of thinking that you want to say you get them saved and god will change them and that's the way that we need to the most important way to make a difference in those around us and in the area that we live in uh, but today we're going to be talking about encouragement making a difference, and you know ev- everybody has the normal your normal name, your your name that you were given when you were born by your parents. Uh, if if you're like my wife's family and all of them, they all have nicknames. Every single one of them. Uh, I never. They they would call each other uh, Melvin or or Bud or. And, I didn't know who that was. Uh, I, when I was first, there was 10 of them. I was happy if I knew their first names in the first place. Uh, and we didn't really, uh, we didn't get nicknames growing up. Uh, but everybody told you from your friends, gave you a nickname. Uh, whether that was, um, you know, you were too old-fashioned, so they called you Grandpa, or they uh, nicknamed you uh Clutz because you fell over every time you walked and, and started, it, it acted like you had your shoelaces tied together. They, they gave you a nickname growing up. Mainly, uh, it wasn't a good nickname usually, uh, but it was usually something that, while made fun of you or poked at you, it was something that was true about you. Uh, it was something that they saw in your life that made you be named that for a specific reason and we see that here uh, in chapter 11 uh, go ahead and verse start in verse number uh, no actually sorry hold your finger there go back to Acts 4 36 and if you know who I'm talking about we know his name, of his nickname, more than we know his actual name. Uh, Acts 4:36 says, "And Joseph, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite, and of the country of Cyprus." Barnabas had such a, uh, a way of holding himself, talking to others, and and, and dealing with other people that. The apostles literally gave him a new name. They gave him a nickname, but it wasn't just like only his friends called him that. The Bible, that, that's really the only time you ever hear his actual real name. Other than, other than a couple other times, when Barnabas is mentioned or read about or anything in the Bible, it's Barnabas. It wasn't just a nickname. It was they changed his name just like they cha- God changed Saul to Paul, the apostles changed Joseph's name to Barnabas and it was because of the, they changed it which is being interpreted the son of consolation. To console is to comfort uh, or encourage or edify uh, other places in Romans 12, 8 we see it being used as exhort, exhortation. Uh, It's about lifting somebody up, encouraging somebody. And we we see here that um, because of his encouragement, he made a difference. And it wasn't just in his life and just the couple around him, but it made a big impact into who we are called today Christians. Because of one man's encouragement, it's just like when, when you're around somebody that's grumpy, what do you become? happy? No, you usually become grumpy like the person you're around. If you're around somebody that has a lot of energy and stuff, it kind of just, even if you're, if it's Monday morning and you just get to the job site and you're like, okay, let's do it. And somebody's like bouncing off the walls, it kind of gets you going and and you get going and stuff. Same thing with encouragement. And it's, it, it really is with any kind of, if you're happy, if you're sad, if you're grumpy, if you're angry, if you're encouragement, if you're Debbie Downer, or if you're, you know, the misery, misery loves company. It's because when somebody's miserable, they want to make somebody else miserable, so they're not alone. Same thing with encouragement, it, but encouragement helps, obviously. If you make somebody else miserable, not really a good thing to to have, man, I, I got five people miserable today. Not really something you should be uh, happy about, <laughs> but encouragement is something that Barnabas had so much in his life and so much outpoured in his life that they changed his name to be Barnabas because of how encouraging he was. So we're going to look at how being an encouragement or just encouragement in general can make a difference in your life and in those around you and for this church and for all those around here. Just pray and we'll get into the lesson. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for uh, this morning. Lord, I thank you again for uh, giving us a place to be able to come before you and learn more about you and be able to open your word. Lord, I pray that uh, you be pleased through everything that goes on here today. Lord, I thank you for uh, the, the different examples that you give us in, this, in your word of, of how we should live, how we should act, and uh, essentially how we can be more like you uh, based off of those that you uh, per you kept and saved and 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 wrote in your word for us to know as an example of how to live I pray that you help us as we we learn about Barnabas and about how being encouragement uh, even when things are difficult Uh, Lord it's it's something that uh, we need to as Christians uh, have as our 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 nickname Uh, Lord I pray that you help each and every one of us in your name I pray amen So the first we see is the place of encouragement. Antioch, you're there, hopefully back in chapter 11 of Acts, verse 19. Now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen traveled as far as Phoenix and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to no one but unto the Jews only. And some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch, Spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord, the the Lord Jesus, and the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned unto God, unto the Lord. When we think of Antioch, we think of like a missionary hub, a great place that sent out a bunch of missionaries. But here in verse uh, chapter eleven, Antioch isn't that way at all. It's filled with pagans. It's filled with uh, unbelieving. Uh, it's not a, uh, a missionary center that we know in just a couple chapters, chapter 13, where they start sending out Paul and Barnabas and they start sending out missionaries. It, this is before then. We, we haven't, Christianity hasn't arrived until chapter 11 to Antioch. Uh, it's just north, about 300 miles north of Jerusalem. And as you see there at first, in verse 19, they, they only preached the word to the Jews only, but then uh, the next verse, some of them were men of Cyprus, and they, they spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. The scattering, the first thing is we see that now they which were scattered abroad. See, after we just last week talked about Stephen and his, his martyrdom and how he was uh, martyred for preaching in the name of Jesus, Right after that, Saul kicks it into high gear. I don't know if it was like that's what he needed to see, or it was whatever the reason. Saul starts persecuting the church in a high, uh, uh, not just Stephen, but now we're, we're going after every single person the, the, the person that just might have gone to the church once, to the person that's leading. And they get scattered abroad. Acts 8.1 says, And Saul was consenting unto his death. And at that time, there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. That scattering abroad, uh, it reminds me of like the Tower of Babel. Uh, all, these, all these people want to make this tower to get up to God and and to put, show what they can do when God says, no, we're going to change all your languages. And now they're scattered. We see the same thing God uses here to get his word out. They, they were thousands and thousands have gotten saved, but they were staying in Jerusalem. They, they weren't going, as Jesus gave the Great Commission, go into all the world and preach the gospel. They were, they were staying in their little area in Jerusalem. So God uses this uh, persecution to scatter them all around the world. Uh, and one of them happens to be going to Antioch. Uh, verse uh, 19, we see them go to Antioch and start preaching to the Jews. Uh, and like I said, later they start preaching to the, uh, also to the Gentiles and the Grecians. And Acts, uh, look at verse 18 11 18 When they had heard these things they held their peace and glorified God saying Then hath God also then hath God also to the Gentiles granted granted repentance unto life these soul winners that were scattered had no doubt heard about Paul's visit to Cornelius we think about when he went first to that first non-Jew, but was told by God when we remember when God brought down the vision of the, the sheet with all these unclean animals and told Peter to eat. And he said, no, whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I, those are unclean. I, I, I can't do that. I, I can't eat those things. And God said, what I say is clean, what I say to eat, you do it. And then Cornelius gets involved with this. He comes, is it his servants come? I think his servants come, but brings Peter to a Gentile house and they get saved. And that's when we first start seeing Gentiles, us, get involved in being able to hear the salvation of the gospel. And no, no doubt that information uh, was like wildfire. Uh, it, it wasn't just, you know, a couple people heard from Peter that, oh, hey, by the way, yeah, God saved the, 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 the Greeks Not just Jews. It's not just for the Jews. No, this was huge because the Jews, it was it was us, us and no more. Nobody else needs to know about it. Nobody else needs to hear about it. And we're not going to tell anybody. And all of a sudden now Peter, an apostle, one of the pillars of the first churches. Is going and telling not Jews. Everybody would have heard about that. And that's what they have. When we see here in Acts 11, when they get scattered abroad, they're going to the Jews only. But some of them remember and know. Wait a minute, Peter. Peter didn't just go to the Jews. He, he Cornelius, got saved. Maybe we need to start telling the others. And so uh, we see a revival happen up in Antioch. It, it was almost like, you know, uh, a bunch of thirsty people. Uh, and, and, these, and these Christians come and give them the water, and they all, it says there verse uh, 21, and the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. There was a great revival, uh, Antioch exploded, and the thing that we see is the church in Jerusalem chooses somebody to go minister, to, to go help. With that church. Uh, Verse 22 of Acts 11. Then tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church which was in Jerusalem. And they sent forth Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch. Who, when he came and had seen the grace of God, was glad and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. For he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith, and much people was added unto the Lord. The churches in Jerusalem, when they heard about this, they, they wanted to do something. They wanted to help. They wanted to disciple. They wanted to keep the flame going. They didn't want just, you know, hopefully it keeps going. Good job. Glad we got some people get saved. Hopefully they, uh, you know, know how to make a church, how to, to meet together. Hopefully they'll, they'll figure it out. No, Jer- the church there in Jerusalem says we need to send somebody. And it's, it's interesting they don't, in that verse we don't see anything about the they get together and they start. Well, hey, I, I propose send send Peter, or no, I I propose let's send. It it's in the same verse, in the same sentence. When they heard the tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church which is in Jerusalem, and they sent forth Barnabas. There was no question of who they were going to send. There was no no uh, doubt. There was no. Let's hold a committee to figure out who we should send. Barnabas, they knew who he was, and it says there, for he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith. His character and his encouragement, they knew that's what that needed. Uh, encouragement is like a fan flaming a fire. You can, you can either let it just stand this little flame or you can fan it and allow it to engulf and start to grow and become a lot bigger. And they knew that, so they send Barnabas. And the first thing is we see in verse 23, uh, that Barnabas was glad. Uh, it, it, he's not one of these, has great character, loves working at the church, loves encouraging those around him. And then when they say, hey, can you go to Antioch? Hmm, you know, I've got a ministry here. I, I got a lot of stuff stuff I need to do here. I'm, I'm really happy that things are going well up there in Antioch and stuff, but, you know, I got my own thing here. No, the first thing is, is he was glad and, and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. He, he didn't question whether he should go. When, when God opened a door, he went through it. Uh, we, we see that when we talked about giving when when the lord laid upon barnabas heart to sell his piece of property and give that money to the church he didn't fight it he didn't man i don't know lord i was i was planning on building a house there or i it's i mean i don't do anything with it but i one day i might make a garden and that would be a really nice place to to have a garden no barnabas was quick in selling that parcel of land uh, so he, he, God knew, and the church at Jerusalem knew that if they asked him, he was going to obey and just go. That's part of being an encouragement. Yes, doing the encouragement is important, but if somebody says, hey, can you go visit such and such in the hospital? If pastor has to wonder whether you're going to go, Or whether you're going to stay and just be like, yeah, you know, I just didn't get time. That's a part of being an encouragement. Whether you're willing enough to go and do what you're told and obey. And it's, yes, obey what your pastor tells you, but obey what God opens the door. Uh, God opened the door because he knew Barnabas was going to obey and do what God wanted him to do. So he, he was glad to go. He was giving. He was good. There in verse 24, we see, for he was a good man and full of the Holy Spirit. He was godly. Uh, all these things add up to be an encouragement. If, if you're not saved in the first place, you don't have the gospel, the good news to be able to share. You don't have something to encourage people with. He's full of the Holy Ghost. The, the, the idea of the fruit of the Spirit, Barnabas was known for giving, for for known for having those fruits and being able to bear them and be able to produce them and be able to give them to others. The last thing we see is the product of his encouragement, uh, verse 25. So Barnabas has already gone to Antioch. uh, And then verse 25, Then departed Barnabas to Tarshish, or to seek Saul and when he had found him he brought him unto the Antioch and it came to pass that the whole that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people and the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch he helps a missionary gets a start that that's the first thing we see here with Barnabas is he leaves Antioch goes to Tarsus and gets Saul who later we know gets It's Paul uh, and returns with him to Antioch to flame the flame harder to to get things going. We see this in Barnabas's life, not just here when he goes and gets Saul. And even when later on, when he brings him to Jerusalem and the apostles are like, "Whoa, hold on. Who's that? Wait, no, time out. I know who that is. What is he doing in here? Barnabas, I, I don't know if you've known, this guy's killing us. Uh, he's going out and trying to put us in prisons and drag us and throw us in lions. And, and he's, he's the enemy. And Barnabas says, no, no, no. He's gotten saved. He, he's one of us now. And the fact that you have the ability to say that and the apostles go, oh, Okay. You have that type of influence because they trusted Barnabas. But he, he took upon himself to take somebody that most people wouldn't touch. Uh, uh, Paul, at that time, it, he wasn't, you know, on the highest, uh, I can't wait to, we're having a guest speaker come in. Uh, we're going to have Paul, Saul from Tarsus come in. We might have a lot less people show up if that was the case back then. He wasn't a popular person, especially for the Christians, but Barnabas said, this man is going to do great things, and, and whether he does great things or not, I need to take him under my wing, and I need to encourage him and build him up in his faith. Barnabas is the, the, the one that gets Paul started. Later, we see when, when Paul and Barnabas split because of John Mark, we, we kind of don't really hear about Barnabas anymore. But later on, we hear about John Mark. Why? Because Barnabas stuck with John Mark. Barnabas encouraged and brought John Mark back into, into the ministry and encouraged him and got him to, to realize, man, yeah, this world has a lot of great things. Paul says he loves the world more than the ministry, and that's why I don't want to deal with him. He, he's not profitable for me. But later on, Paul says, bring John Mark because he's profitable for the ministry. And, and why is that? It's because Barnabas took his time, took his own, uh, almost uh, his friendship with Paul, uh, his, his uh, relationship that he had for those years of going with Paul around and saying, I know he's done wrong. I know he's wavered from the path. But I, I, I know it inside of him he's a good man and we can get him back on track. And Paul said, I, I, I just don't have time for that. So they, they split. But Barnabas stays with John Mark and helps and encourages John Mark to get back in right, on the right path and go on the right way and to realize that this world is not our home. And because of Barnabas's encouragement and, and work, we see two people become, specifically, become profitable. Saul, Paul, and John Mark. But it's because his encouragement. And then he, he helps, uh, so he, he helps get a missionary, Saul, or Paul, get his start. Uh, go back to Acts 9, 26. And this is talking about when I was talking about when Barnabas brings Saul to Jerusalem, 926. And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed to join himself to the disciples. But they were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way and that he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. He he gets Paul started. And then we hear all about the missionary journeys about Paul. And Paul writes most of the New Testament because of one man that saw somebody that needed encouragement, that that needed somebody to come up to him and help him and, and to show that we're christians we're 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 in this together we, we we you may have a really bad past, but God can still use you. That encouragement gave paul the the lift the 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 push, whatever you want to say, to get his ministry started uh without Barnabas stepping in here. And when Saul tries to get into to become a disciple and and to be a part of the church, he may never have been a part of the church. Without Barnabas' encouragement and without Barnabas' influence, I mean, think about this. These are disciples. These are the apostles that are, but they were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. This is Peter, James, John. These are the disciples. Barnabas was not one of the disciples. He was, he was one of the early people that got saved out of the church, but he wasn't a, a, a head person as far as he wasn't an apostle. But yet the apostles trusted Barnabas. They, they knew him because of his character, because of his influence. He was able to say, Saul, we need him. He's saved, and he's going to do great things for God. And because of his encouragement and his influence, they, they said, okay. The last thing we see is, is he got, essentially, our name started. Uh, the Bible says uh, there in verse 26. Yes, thank you. And when he had found him, talking about Barnabas finding Paul, he brought him unto Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch because Barnabas's labor, mentoring, uh, investing himself and and Saul or Paul at the time into those there. At The church at Antioch, they were got grounded in their faith and and matured into committed disciples. And because of that, the church became a thriving center of being a missionary sending church. Uh, we, We see that, but not only throughout the Bible do we see that, but that last part, they were called Christians first in Antioch pastor said it many, many a times. Them being called Christians was not, just like your nickname, Klutz, or Butterfingers, was not meant to be like an encouragement to you. Oh, hey, Nitten, Butterfingers, we're going to call you Butterfingers from now. Nitton gets really encouraged about that. If you call them Butterfingers, it really lifts the spirit up. No, the, they were not called Christians first at Antioch by other Christians. Christians. They didn't get that nickname, you know, Brian gave me the nickname Christian. No, it it wasn't within themselves, it was from without that named them Christians. Christians means Christ-like ones or, or Christ followers and they were so in line with what Christ lived when he was on the earth that the outside said Oh look, here comes another Christian. It wasn't a good nickname according to what the outside said, but to these believers it was it was the best nickname they could have ever heard. You know, people say, "Yes, I'm a Christian." Catholics say they're Christians. Any any Protestant says they're Christian. And now the name Christian does not necessarily mean derogatory anymore oh look here comes a little Christ when, when somebody when you when somebody says oh I'm a Christian it's not the same word that they they were talking about here if you go knocking on doors and, and somebody says, oh I, I'm a Christian and they, they they got a beer bottle sitting right there and they, they've got cigarettes right on the front porch well time out According to the word Christian, that should be gone and those shouldn't be there. Because a Christian is someone that's Christ-like. I, I don't remember reading in the Bible Jesus, you know, smoking with the disciples on the way to, you know, on the way to Jerusalem. I, I don't remember him, him stopping by the bar and, and drinking with the disciples. Christian back then meant something. It meant that your life was possibly on the line. But it also meant that the, to the world, you acted just like Jesus. People talk about Charlie looking like me. He's, he, we have a t-shirt that says, Control, Copy, and Paste. He's got the one that says Paste, and I have the one that says Copy, just in case anybody didn't know. Uh, Which one had which? But that's the idea. Jesus lived his life in his ministry, and these in Antioch, it was like they copied and pasted. And those that are outside said, Man, you're just like Jesus. You carry yourself just like Jesus. You talk just like Jesus. You walk just like Jesus. You're basically, I, I might as well just call you a Christian. Little Jesus walking around. Today, that's not what Christian means, which is sad because it should. If somebody calls you a Christian or you say you're a Christian, it should mean that I'm just a paced version of Jesus. Galatians 4.19 says, My children of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. Are we a real Christian? Are we an encouragement to others when when you have have somebody that comes in from the outside, doesn't sit well, doesn't talk right, doesn't act right? Do you show them the encouragement that Jesus would have showed them? Or do you say, they don't need to be here. Get them out of here. They're just a distraction. They're, they're, They're a bother. Their soul that Christ died for. And we don't know what kind of encouragement that we could do to somebody, to a little boy, or, or or to somebody that could turn into a Paul, could turn into a Moody. But we don't know that. We we don't have a way of being able to know in the future what somebody's going to be like and what their life is going to be and how God can use them. If we can just be an encouragement to them, it'll get them started. It'll get them be able to get going on that path. I had a boy in the in the bus. Ministry Down at Gilgrove. Boy, he was rough. Anytime somebody was in trouble, it was him. But there's a verse, and I can't remember what it is, that when I was doing my devotion, and it got to the point where I was like, why are we even picking him up? The, the, the little amount of influence we have on him versus what he has in, you know, Monday through Friday, Saturday, and we get him for Sunday for morning. I mean, it's, it's like a drop in the bucket trying to clean a dirty water by just adding a little bit of clean water into it. If I could flush it out, I would get all the dirt out, but I don't, we don't have that influence on him. Is it worth picking him up? All the headache, all the problems. Was it worth picking him up? I don't know, but I do know that God said, that his gospels for everyone. And we don't know what an influence will be. And we don't know what an encouragement will be. So we, we started this bus ministry. Are they, are they, when you do a bus ministry, usually, not always, but they're not always the, the uh, most polished kids in the world. But you don't know what that kid's going to become when he grows up. You don't know what God can use him. And if we just be an encouragement, it could be the next Moody. It could be the next Paul because of the encouragement that we give him. Uh, George Shulier and Ira Wilson were roommates at Moody Bible Institute way back, 1924. And, and they, they wrote a song that we know now as Make Me a Blessing. Uh, Wilson wrote the lyrics, Shuler wrote the music. And they sent it off to get published. And they were rejected every single time they sent it off. Nobody would publish it. And finally, Shuler had a thousand copies printed to distribute himself. And one fell into the hands of George Dibble, a singer who, who at the time uh, was a music director for the International Sunday School Convention in Cleveland, Ohio, and Dibble asked to have permission to sing it. Soon people everywhere were singing this song, and the publishers all wanted to do it and all wanted to distribute copies. And between the time I, Mr. Wilson wrote the lyrics and the time the song became well-known, Wilson forgot that he was really even the author because it, it, it had flopped, according to him. Nobody wanted it. Until he died, he never remembered that he had written these famous words, make me a blessing. I don't even know what's, uh, I think it's in our songbook. Out in the highways and byways of life, many are weary and sad. Carry the sunshine where darkness is rife making the sorrow glad. Make me a blessing. Make me a blessing. Out of my life, may Jesus shine. Make me a blessing, O Savior, I pray. Make me a blessing to someone today. Let's be a blessing to people. The world's filled with enough people that are going to push you down, tell you you're not worth anything. And we would never do that. We wouldn't ever say that to somebody's face. But would you go out of your way to be an encouragement to somebody? That's what Barnabas was. That's how he had the ability to get the name Barnabas. Let's be an encouragement to those that we see here in church, but also to those outside. To to be named Christian means that we should be influenced in this world. Do you make a difference when you go to work? Do you make a difference when you go to the grocery store? Do you make a difference to the people that you live next to? We should be. As a Christian, we should have that influence. Let's pray and we'll get into the morning service. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you so much for this morning, for your word, for, uh, Lord, for the encouragement that your word gives us. Uh, Lord, that you can use anyone, uh, no matter what their past, no matter what uh, they find themselves in, no matter what uh, problems they bring, what kind of baggage is... Uh, Uh, Think about the um, Christian that was uh, in Pilgrim's Progress, the the baggage that he brought. Lord, if you can use us, and if we be willing to be used to be an encouragement to those around us, uh, Lord, we don't know what what you can do with anybody's life. And so I pray that you give us a good um, morning. Lord, I pray that you be with the next service. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.